Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Well, tonight we welcome Julie Lohr back to Starseed Radio Academy, and she has some exciting new things to share with us. In Julie's words, uh, 25 years in the corporate world convinced me that ancient ways of knowing can enhance and empower the lives of modern people through understanding the language of cycles and universal archetypes. After a near-death experience in Mexico, Julie pursued her lifelong interest in angels, dreams, mythology, space travel, and other dimensions through an intensive study of metaphysics while climbing the corporate ladder in two major companies. Focusing on symbols, mythology, astrology, tarot, Kabbalah, and dreams, Julie has been a spiritual teacher and counselor since 1975. She's led 13 sacred journeys to Egypt. Julie is the author of Messengers, co-author of The Hidden Power of Everyday Things, and the award-winning Tarot and Dream Interpretation. Her latest book, Goddesses for Every Day, Exploring the Wisdom and Power of the Divine Feminine Around the World, has won five national awards. Her books have been translated into several languages, and Julie is a frequent speaker, radio guest, and workshop leader, and is the co-creator of the multiple award-winning board game, Quintangled. Her popular astrology column appeared for two decades in Atlantis Rising magazine, and now forms her two-volume Sky Lore Anthology, the two books she created during the pandemic lockdown. She's also been featured on John Edwards' InfiniteQuest.com, and you can visit her website at julielore.com. And Julie is J-U-L-I-E, Lore, L-O-A-R, julielore.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Julie. We do have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's continual dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here, and you'll get our show notices. We send out two a month, but you have to enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Now, if you've been listening to our show, you know about the global starseed activation that's been going on for two years, since December 18, 2018. In 11 years, we have never seen anything like this. 
So the waiting time for the stage two live sessions is still at about five to six months, but but the stage one wait time is finally shrinking. It's just under 20 weeks now, and it will continue to be reduced thanks to our new team of astrologers. Now, we're going to do a radio show to introduce them to you officially as soon as we get the website updated to include them. We've just been focusing on doing the readings. Remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you'll get a window of 10 hours of power. You can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing, and that service only takes a few days. But if you want the Stage 2 interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least six months ahead of your birthday so you get it in before your 10 hours happens. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderfully fascinating Starseed News. Good evening, Ariel. Good evening, everybody. It's great Hi to there. be with you. Hi, we're on a holiday week here, and we're progressing towards December. Where does time go? My goodness. Oh, no. It is. I know it. Isn't that something? Well, the good news about that is 2020 is just about in the rearview mirror which many people will find to be very gratifying. So here we go. Yeah. We, uh, well, since we are apart for two weeks at a time now, we've got lots of news tonight, so I want to share with you some very interesting stuff. Um, there was a headline in uh, one of the local uh, papers about a dog, but this dog is 8,400 years old, and it was found buried with its master in Sweden. Uh, the remains of this Stone Age-era dog and his master were found buried together at an excavation site in Sweden with very clear photos that now show the ancient canine bones. Fascinating. You look at the bones and you go, hmm. You can tell that isn't a a contemporary dog, so I'll I'll read on. Uh, The dog was believed to have been buried more than 8,400 years ago, was uncovered by archaeologists about 350 miles south of Stockholm uh, in late September. Now, an animal osteologist that completed the preliminary exam of the bones said the dog's breed has long since vanished, but it could be compared probably to a powerful greyhound. Sure enough, the skull looks perhaps like a greyhound skull. Well, the faithful faithful doggy was buried with its master as part of his grave goods, which was an ancient tradition where the dead were buried with their treasures. Now, the discovery was part of a major excavation that's been underway since 2015. It's one of the largest ever completed in the region, and it required months of scraping and brushing at the museum to reveal the dog's bone structure. And they said the dog is well-preserved, and the fact that it was buried in the middle of the Stone Age settlement is unique. They said the artifacts were so well-preserved because many centuries ago, a sudden and violent increase in the sea level caused the once coastal site to be covered with sand and mud that kept the remains intact. Now, the findings make modern folks feel even closer to the people who lived here. A buried dog somehow shows how similar we are over the millennia when it comes to the feelings like the love of an animal companion. Isn't that the Uh, truth? Yeah. Well, the United Arab uh, Emirates has um, surprised everybody. They have announced reforms to the country's legal system, including uh, tougher punishments for the harassment of women and an end to the lenient sentences for so-called honor killings. It's a sign of softening attitudes in the authoritarian Gulf state. Its rulers have also lifted the ban on unmarried couples living together and decriminalized 
alcohol, of all things. The government said the reforms were part of efforts to promote, quote, tolerance principles, end quote. The UAE has historically taken a soft approach to crimes against women and ranks 35th on the UN's Gender Inequality Index. Change is coming there. Man, just where you thought it would never happen. Wow. Well, as we all know, November was election month. Who could have escaped that? But I wanted to share with you that Native American women had their best election yet. The presidential race was probably between two white men for sure, but there was progress elsewhere, with a record number of Native American women being elected to the House of Representatives. Uh, Democrats Sharice Davids, a, Ho- a Ho-Chunk Nation member representing Kansas, and Deb Haaland, a Laguna, uh, Laguna Pueblo member representing New Mexico, retained their seats after having become the first Native American women elected to Congress in 2018. And joining them is a Republican, Yvette Harrell, who is Cherokee and represents New Mexico. Uh, meanwhile, Sarah McBride, a Democrat, will become the first transgender st- state senator after she won her race in Delaware. Move over, white guys. That's what's going on there. <laughs> Men, uh, you know, uh, think, look, you know, as I was preparing the news for tonight, I was amazed. I just didn't have time. We don't have time to put everything I'm I'm finding in this uh, uh, news part. But you would be amazed at how many countries are moving to um, obliterate carbon in their in their economies and in their way of life. It is everywhere. Um I tell you, times are changing in a big, big way. Anyway, uh, and and part of that is women being in office and uh, adaptations of um, you know tolerance everywhere. It's it's happening whether people like it or not. The world is changing. Um, wow. Anyway, uh, on to the next story. Um, they have come up with. I don't know how I feel about this, but it doesn't matter. It's news. <laughs> They've come up with an implant uh, that is enabling paralyzed patients to send texts now. Uh, Sounds kind of good and whatever, but paralyzed patients, they say, can gain more independence uh, due to a wireless implant, which can translate brain impulses to a computer-based operating system. Wow. This is sci-fi future stuff. Um, Now, when they use that in conjunction with eye-tracking technology for cursor navigation, the brain implant reportedly enables participants with restricted mobility to complete online tasks such as shopping, banking, and sending emails. Now, in a review of the technology, which was published by the Journal of Neurointerventional Surgery, and that this review suggested that it had the potential to achieve digital device control in people with paralysis and, when combined with eye tracking, to improve functional independence. So, that's... That's happening. That's that's becoming. We're going to see that more and more. Well, here's, you know what, guys, ladies, we could have told them this. So I'm going to announce this headline to you, and you're going to go, yeah, we knew that already. But um, they have decided that peace talks are more successful if women are involved. Yeah, that's news. Truces between nations have more chance of succeeding if women are involved in peace talks, and that's according to research by the UN Women and the Council on Foreign Relations, which found that armistices were 64% less likely to fail when women had a seat at the table. Women, however, are often excluded from formal peace processes. Between 1992 and 2019, they accounted for, on average, just 13% of negotiations, 
6% of mediators and 6% of signatories in major peace processes. While continued failure to include women in peace processes ignores their demonstrated contributions and overlooks a potential strategy to respond more effectively to security threats around the world. This according to the Council on Foreign Relations, and this is what they've included. So please bring more women to the table. Maybe the world will be more peaceful. But we already knew that. But, you know, the fact <laughs> that this is even being discussed, the fact that this is becoming recognized and, and people are talking about it, wow, that's kind of big. Maybe yeah. people are kind of getting on, you know. Yeah. Bring back the goddess, <laughs> I'm telling you. All right. Did you guys hear of Veganuary? Do you know what Veganuary is? I bet a lot of the listeners know, but I didn't. I'm sorry. I admit it. I, I didn't know it. Veganuary has now welcomed its one millionth participant. Well, put the words vegan and January together, and you get Veganuary. Okay. This started out as a conversation between a husband and wife at their kitchen table in Yorkshire. And six years later, Veganuary, the movement to get people to go vegan for 31 days in January, has gone global and has inspired one million people to take part. Now, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Sir Paul McCartney are among the celebrities to have endorsed the campaign, which inspired Greg's, KFC, and Burger King to launch Veganuary specials. Eating more plant-based meals is one of the most impactful ways of reducing carbon emissions, according to the UN. This man said, when my wife and I uh, decided to launch a New Year's vegan pledge in 2014, we expected mm, maybe 1,000 people. This is according to the, to the co-founder. He said, now, Veganuary is a bigger feature in the retail calendar than Christmas. One million official Veganuary participants in just seven years is a huge achievement. So, Veganuary is just around the corner. It follows December and coincides with January. Um, In my early years of my life, I absolutely adored seashells. I had a marvelous, marvelous, fabulous collection of seashells that I worked hard over many years to acquire. And among those seashells, I had some nice coral specimens. Now, mind you, before you throw rocks at me, (laughs) this was in a time when these were plentiful and um, people collected things like this. Well, over a period of time, many years hence, uh, the sea has suffered a lot of damage, tremendous suffering in the sea, and the coral has started to die off. Well, now there is a plan uh, to build what they call a coral ark, as in Noah's ark, to save the coral reefs. And this is a plan to store, retain, protect some of the world's most endangered corals at a facility near the Great Barrier Reef that will enable us enable conservationists to revive damaged reefs in the future. They're going to build an ark for coral. This is a proposed biobank facility in Port Douglas, Australia, that would allow marine biologists to store, study, and breed from endangered corals. They call it like the, Noah, the Noah's Ark of Corals, and this was inspired by Norway's Global Seed Vault, and they say it may double as a tourist attraction, and I'll bet it would because, let me tell you, this coral is gorgeous. They can grow it and reproduce it. It's a fabulous thing to see, so I'm sure that it will become a tourist attraction. Biobank director said that the facility would be a life support system for corals, and he says that every year we wait, we are losing corals. We don't have any time to lose. So, wow, 
I thought to myself, why didn't somebody think of that quite a ways back? That's a wonderful thing to do. Because hopefully, one of these days, we're going to have that ocean cleaned up. We're going to get everything stabilized and back to normal. Normal, good normal. <laughs> uh, right. Pre-industrial normal. And then we will have some of these beautiful things to you know, put back into their habitat. And in the Iberian Peninsula, which happens to be Spain and Portugal, the lynx population has increased ninefold in 18 years, and this is according to the latest census of these animals. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a remarkable turnaround for a species that was threatened with extinction just two decades ago. Now, the latest headcount put the population at 855, compared to 94 in 2002. And that the lynx is clawing back territory in its homeland is not just positive news for the species, but also vindication for local conservationists who boosted numbers by engaging with and educating politicians. They also educated the public and landowners. They fought for the lynx. They thought that the lynx were going to disappear, said a biologist that's been involved with the project. But he said, today the situation is pretty good, and I think we can be optimistic about the future of the lynx. So, Wow. See, people make a difference. I'm telling you. You believe in something, you fight for it, you work toward it, and it's, sometimes I think that's the only thing holding the world together are the people that get out there and fight for what they know is right and good. Well, in, in closing, I want to share with you this wonderful, thoughtful article. It's simple, it's fun, and it's really, really good. And so I'm going to ask you a question. Do any of you know what are the world's most intelligent animals? <clears throat> Besides humans? Excuse me for being, huh? <laughs> Are we leaving humans out of that? That's a good one, Ariel. I'm not sure we'd classify in the list, but okay. <laughs> Given the way some of us behave, I, I, maybe. In fact, there was a quote I read that said, how do you know there's uh, intelligent life in the universe? Well, because it hasn't tried to contact us yet. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe humans are intelligent. But anyway, uh, ranking a tier of some of the most intelligent animals, non-humans, is not exactly an easy task. For one thing, uh, no list is going to be definitive, not yet anyway, and scientists are always discovering new facets of animal intelligence and discovering new things about what our animal friends are capable of learning. We're learning a lot about them. But for another thing, intelligence in animals isn't measured by a simple IQ test. And speaking of that, we've discovered that IQ tests don't tell us very much anyway. We have since learned, since uh, you know the 50s and 60s, when such a emphasis was placed on IQ tests that there's uh, a great parameter, a lot of parameters to intelligence. It's not just measured by that. All kinds of intelligence. And so it's the same for animals. And animals can be intelligent in different ways, just like people can. But if you take both things into account, it still begs the question, what are the world's most intelligent animals? Well, I'll bet a couple of these are not going to surprise you, but I'll, I'll bet you a couple of them will. And as far as invertebrates grow, uh, go, um, Invertebrates, guess what? The octopus. Not every intelligent animal has to have a spine. They tell us that the octopus is a prime example of animal intelligence that has little to do with their talent for communication because octopuses are very solitary creatures. They live and mate all by them little selves. They're not social. Uh, they live underwater, a place where communion is exceptionally difficult, without echolocation. Nevertheless, octopuses have the largest brain of any invertebrate and even share some of the complex features of human brains, such as 
folded lobes. And as if that weren't unusual enough, 60% of octopuses' neurons are in their arms, according to Scientific American. Fascinating. What wow. is that we've learned about the neurons in the human body, in the stomach, in the intestines, in the heart? Heart has brain cells. So you see, fascinating. Octopuses have been observed using tools to hide, to protect themselves, to open shells, and break out of aquariums. They can unscrew the jar lids and navigate through mazes quickly. There are reports of octopuses uh, uh, playing possum. That's not a very good pun, but they but they imitate. They engage in play behavior. And they also uh, use their siphon to play ball, to uh, push balls through the air or through the currents of the water. And they play catch with each other. They play catch with each other with a ball. Aww. And they do it over and over again. Wow, just think about that. Being in the body of an, apo- of an apo- uh, octopus, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and imagining yourself experiencing life with a different viewpoint, with nevertheless just as intelligent and aware of your environment, just as conscious, just as sentient, just as desiring of life as you are, having a reality within yourself, but not being human. I think these are important things to think about. Enjoying life in the body of an octopus. All right, what about raccoons? They have been bothering me lately, by, by the way. Um, <laughs> where I live, the, the raccoons come and pay a visit, and they start searching for things like cat food and scraps of bread and peanuts, and sometimes in the bird feeder. So raccoons are brilliant, as in intelligent little thieves. Raccoons may be nothing more to some people than just trash pandas, but they didn't get their reputation by being foolish. Raccoons have been observed picking locks. That's right, they do. And they remember the solutions to problems over the course of many years. They have a long memory. They are known for finding creative solutions to problems that would confuse young human children. They really are smart. I have uh, tried to retain certain uh, bird seed in my carport, And I've changed containers because no matter what container I put it in, the raccoons will find a way to open it. They will open matchboxes. They will figure out how to to take the lid off of a tight garbage can. They can sniff it out if I put it in a a can or a jar up on a shelf. They find it. They are really, really smart. And what about crows? Did anybody out there know how intelligent crows are? I love crows. Some of my favorite people have crows accompanying them through life, crow uh-huh. animal guides. Crows are wonderful. And co- crows are a part of the super intelligent COVID bird family. Corvid, excuse me, not COVID, Corvid. <laughs> Corvid they are yeah. the only birds known to invent and use tools for specific purposes. They can make a hook or use a stick to reach something inside of something else. They're brilliant. They have an ability to understand cause and effect, and that's a sure sign of intelligence. It's something that human children only truly learn when they're past one years old. Now, crews, uh, crows pass down other lessons through their generations. They teach each other things. They know how to make tools, and they teach their 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 children, their their little birdlings, how to make how to make tools. 
Younger crows have been shown watching their elders and in some cases improving on the design of their tools. They advance their learning. And it should come as no surprise to learn that crows are excellent communicators, not just with each other, but when it comes to responding to human words and gestures. In fact, some crows can be taught to speak. Now, the lessons that crows learn and they teach their offspring include which humans to avoid and which humans to befriend and which humans to attack. If you wrong a crow and they see you, their relatives will attack you on sight every time they see you. On the other hand, if you help a crow out, they might offer gifts and their trust in a way that few other animals will. Now, knowing this, is it surprising that in the Native American tradition, crow is a powerful animal guide and spirit? And I mean, these, you know, our ancestors watched these animals and figured out there's something very special about them. And sure enough, they, <laughs> they know who you are, and they're very good at communicating with you. All right, what about elephants? Well, you know, we've heard the elephants never forget. Yes, that's right. Elephants are known to have excellent memories. They're also capable of exceptional empathy. They work cooperatively with others to solve puzzles, and they possess something that few other animals possess, self-awareness. Think about that. According to Live Science, elephants are able to look in the mirror and recognize that the reflection staring back at them is their very own. This is something that even the most intelligent dogs cannot accomplish. Elephants also have the largest brain of any land animal. That's not surprising. But and although this doesn't always prove to be an indicator of intelligence, the size of that brain relative to their body, relative to their body size, actually does indicate their intelligence. Uh, elephants are very smart and self-aware. Just think about that. And what about dogs? Yeah, let's talk about dogs. I love this. Dogs use their intelligence to relate to humans. And unlike other animals, which don't overtly display things like emotion or compassion, dogs are able to understand, empathize, and respond to our actions, expressions, and even our words. You all know that. In this way, dogs are even better at recognizing human behavior than more conventionally intelligent animals like apes and other primates. Studies have actually proven that dogs are better at observing and understanding overt gestures like pointery or even subtle gestures like eye movements better than any other species, better than some humans, I'd wager. Dogs also have the capability and the capacity to understand and react to more than 165 human words. They can recall object names and comprehend the basic elements of English grammar. I used to have a Springer Spaniel. His name was Spanky. He was a love, and Spanky had a vocabulary of 35 words. I could talk to him. He understood 35 words, at least that I knew of anyway. So, you know, this says that they can react to more than 165 human words, and I'm sure that's right. So that's why dog and God... Dog is God spelled backwards, yes. Um, But those are our top intelligent dogs for now. We've got dogs and elephants and crows and raccoons and octopuses. And that's quite a lineup and something to think about. 
as we move forward. Because, you know, we don't own this world. We inhabit it. We are just here as guests, along with other, all of our other animal brothers and sisters. And so as we move forward in a troubled world, it's going to call upon our intelligence as human beings to make a difference and to make a change and to lift ourselves up from where we are now heading to where we wish to go. And so in honor of that idea, I want to tell you what Plutarch had to say about it. He said, your mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. So let's light the fires of our minds and get creative as we move forward to solve the problems and to create a better world, as many are already doing. And as I know that you, Starseed, are all destined to participate in, it's we're headed toward a beautiful world. Um, so from my heart to each one of you, much love, everyone. Have a beautiful week. And I guess we'll see you again in two weeks, right, Ariel? That's right. Thank That's you right. so Thanks. much. Good night, everybody. Thanks so much for such a wonderful, wonderful, good, uh, inspiring news. Thank you. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, so now I am going to get Lavendar's mic open and then our guest, Julie Lohr. Okay. All right, ladies, the mics are open. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Arielle. It's so great to be back with all of you. And I just sat in awe listening to, and, and I'm forgetting Anastasia. her name. Anastasia. Anastasia. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. She does a really good job, and it's and it, as she usually says it's it, it's getting harder and harder to find stuff on the internet because you know they take stuff down. But we mm-hmm. are so happy that you're here with us, and we're looking forward to learning about all the new stuff that's up with you and things that are, you're doing. <laughs> so, Lavendar, um, are you ready to go? I'm here. I'm ready. Okay, take it away. Okay, so Julie, I love your book. You have really gone the last mile with this book, this ancient sky watchers and myths and themes. Oh, my goodness. Please tell us how you decided to organize this two-volume sky lore book because this is awesome. Oh, I'm so glad, Lavendar. By the way, it's wonderful to hear your voice and be with you again. It's um, it's so interesting, and you're someone and your audience is someone who – really understands the subject matter. So I, um, as was said in the introduction, wrote for Atlantis Rising Magazine for 19 years. And it turned out, when all was said and done, I had 108 articles. And with the blessing of the publisher who decided to stop doing the print magazine, he's doing an online different kind of version of the effort now, uh, I thought, Wouldn't it be wonderful? There's a whole story of how I got the software and how all of that worked. But as you as you are noting, it's not done in chronological order the way that the articles were originally done. But instead, I organized them by topic. And so, Volume One, Ancient Skywatchers, the first section of it, Part One, covers everything from the royal stars of Persia, to the Lascaux Caves in France, to a zodiac uh, of Petra, which is the goddess zodiac, which is fascinating, and the round zodiac of Dendara in Egypt, and a new star temple discovered 
some time ago, I guess about 10 years, became famous at Gobekli Tepe. There's another stone circle in the western desert of Egypt called Nabda Playa. So all of those came together to kind of showcase how far back people have been looking at the stars. And then there's a section on prophecy and prediction. And then in book one, there's a section on zodiacs, the one that we use and others that go way back, uh, go way back in time. Uh, in, in book two, it's focused on, I uh, titled it As Above, So Below, Sun, Moon, and Stars. And so that covers, as it says, uh, our sun, our star, and different articles that I wrote about that, which were five. And then over the course of 19 years, I also wrote five articles about the moon, including the lunar mansions of Vedic astrology, why the moon doesn't have a name and should, uh, and blue moons. Then I did a series of articles on each of the planets, and then moving out into the into the area of modern astrophysics, I wrote articles on all the very latest discoveries of different planets and planetoids and, and dwarf planets. And so they all seem to fit together in in those categories. But um so I I'm curious to know what did you what did you really respond to or or like in the book as you Well, it's it's like a star seed encyclopedia. <laughs> It's, I it's think like, so too. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. I mean, it's like it's everywhere, and and the way that you were able to, uh, I love your at the beginning of each chapter, you have a one-liner or a, a paragraph that just really sets up the next chapter, and you take it from you know some of the scribes from times past and some things from the Bible, and and it it really. The way you read it is like you see pictures. You write with pictures. You don't tell us. You give us you give us a picture so that we know we know what the picture is. Gosh, I think that's the the most wonderful compliment I've ever had. Thank you. I mean, when I read it, it's like or maybe I'm just wired that way. <laughs> well, that's probably true too. <laughs> Because when I when I when I read, especially when I started reading about the the Native Americans, I mean, I really got into that chapter, and of course the astrology part. Of course, I I love so much because I, that's one of the things that I'm tracking every day is how the, the the moon and and in fact the moon recently I'm noticing um, really affects uh, people globally. Uh, you know, like when the moon's in Gemini for two or three days, I just mm-hmm. see the world going crazy. <laughs> And then when it yeah. gets in Leo, everybody everybody thinks they're the boss. You know, if you look, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there's, yeah. it, it seems to be magnified. It's like somebody has a megaphone, and they're saying, okay, all Geminis, jump out today. <laughs> and they do. They do. That is so true. That is so true. It's like, true. oh, I'm not getting in my car and driving today because I know the crazies are out there. I mean, truly, <laughs> I do that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's so it's so interesting to reflect back on this process and and I don't think I thought when I started writing for this magazine that it would go on as long as it did. But what was wonderful was the publisher who who is a terrific guy and he's in his when when he finished, he's doing this online thing, but he's also doing 
uh, he wrote a book himself about some of his own insights and things that he had learned over the course of being the publisher of this magazine. But what was wonderful, and I think relates to what you're saying about Starseed Encyclopedia, is he gave me absolute carte blanche. He didn't expect me to write some sort of traditional uh, basic level that's maybe not a fair thing to say, but he allowed me and encouraged me to have this wide lens to look at the mythologies, to look at the deeper things, to to really investigate the ancient cultures. I love the story that Anastasia led off with about the dog buried with its its human companion 8,000 years ago. I mean, I think that um, uh, humans can be so arrogant at times, and they just think that now is everything and what we know. So being able to go back and really sink my teeth into some of these ancient cultures and what's known was so rewarding. So it was I noticed that uh, you're also, I think, working on a new book about symbols. Now, when you said symbols, are you talking about codes? Are you talking about things like, I know that, some of the things I've been tracking have to do with stained glass in churches. It's like the ones that put the stained glasses together in those cathedrals, they knew in another lifetime they were going to come back because the codes were were in glass. Is is this some of the things that you're tracking with symbols? No, but I love that, and that makes so much sense. Boy, you got me started on a whole other thing. But what happened was with the lockdown, as um, Ariel said in the beginning in the introduction, uh, I bought the software to be able to produce these books on my birthday in January. Then the lockdown came, and so then I had time and opportunity. So I learned it, and what I intended to do was turn articles that I'd written for about three years for a magazine in, in Atlanta on dreams and dream symbols. So I thought, well, that'll be easy. It won't be like doing 20 years' work. But Lavendar, something took me over, and I don't know how we really explain how this works, what guidance is, who worked with me, but in essence, it's this whatever it is said, no, this book is really about the spiritual path, and the point is, how do you learn the language of the soul, which communicates through dreams, to help us on our path of awakening, our spiritual path. But there are codes, uh, but not like what you were describing. I'm fascinated by what you said. But that we have our own coded language in a sense. Some symbols are said to be universal, where everyone might react the same way. Some symbols are said to be cultural, where everybody at a certain time might respond and now like the happy face of an emoji might be an example of of a cultural symbol or a flag of a nation but then we also have our own very personal symbols which only mean something to us so Anastasia Springer Spaniel in a dream might mean something very specific to her where somebody else might dream about something else And so it just launched me on, even though I've been working with dreams and working with others with dreams for decades, probably four decades, this took me into a completely different realm, into understanding the nature of how our psyche is organized from 
the part of us that lives in eternity and what gets projected into a lifetime, how how guidance works. How I mean, it's just taken me on quite a journey. But boy, I'd love to hear what you were saying about the codes in the stained glass windows. That is really cool. Well, that's just one of the things I've been tracking. I've been there's a lot of I think that that some of us in other lifetimes knew how important it was going to be in the future for us to leave little messages for us in in the future. And I think one of the things has to do with leaving colors in certain places, symbols, um Maybe even a garden, a way a like garden a ta- like is... Like a time capsule almost. Yeah. And, I, and, and f- in fact, talk about time capsules. I think that we have within us, in our astrological timing, time-release capsules. And the reason mm-hmm. I'm saying that is because what I witnessed after 2012, everybody's capsule ignited <laughs> all over the planet. Yeah. The, the star seeds start, started rising. Um the kids that were born after 1980 seem to be um, really stepping into their power and, and making great strides with technology and literature. Well, you just name it; they're they're in the they're in the middle of it. Even yeah. when I started watching Black Lives Matter, when I saw the people going to the streets, it was those kids that were born after 1980. Most That's of them. That's right. That's right. So it's it, and right. then we look at little Greta over there in. Um, uh, in Europe, you know, coming over here doing the environmental movement, I looked, I looked at the people that were around her, and I'm going, yeah, there's the kids. There's the starseed yes. kids. Yes. We have great hope for the planet because they're here. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And, well, they, have different, and they have different codes to go by. Mm-hmm. See, they're coded in some way, and they're time-released in some way. Mm-hmm. That's what I have found. Well, I... Absolutely agree with you. I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it makes absolute. That makes absolute sense, and it's like a lot of other things with, because symbols are a code, aren't they? And yes. How how we relate to that, and and um, do you know the books of Michael Newton, Doctor Michael no. Newton? No, I'm well, not familiar. Well, it it relates to what you're saying, and I'll try to do this quickly, but he he died at 85, I think, two years ago, October. He was a Ph.D. psychologist who worked with people, and he took thousands of clients over the course of his long career into the between-lifetime states, mostly. And and the books are absolutely fabulous, and I really recommend them. They were life-changing for me. Uh, but what was so interesting is, According to all the thousands of people across religious beliefs, across political spectrum, everything, their testimony about what happened in between lifetimes was so similar that that's why he started writing it. But to your point, he would talk about how we all belong to like a soul group of ten people who are at about the same level. And when we're making a plan to come into a lifetime, People use codes, and one of my favorite stories out of that book was um, a couple who were going to meet, and they were planning the code, the time-release capsule, and they decided, we'll be dancing, and I'm going to be wearing a certain kind of perfume, and you're going to remember that scent, and it will trigger an awakening and a recognition. And that's, oh, that's my what goodness. You, oh, wow, you're on this, girl. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I get that. 
And so that's just, of course, one little tiny story of exactly what you're talking about and setting up reminders for ourselves in places that, that we would go or, um, and, and like you say, the idea of a garden or something that we would recognize. And they're like switches when they get turned on, aren't they? Yes. You know, sometimes when I when I look at Netflix and it goes off the off the show, it'll it'll start flashing the pictures, you know, um mm-hmm. scenery. Yeah. And there's several things that I see in this scenery. I go, "Oh, I know that place. I've been there. I know what that is." And I'm going, "Wait a minute. You've never been there. What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> but I said, "Oh, that's a code. Okay, I got to remember where that is." And then sometimes I I see that people get ignited by food. They really yeah. attracted certain kinds of food, and that will be a code for them to ignite them in, into that part of their history. Yes. Well, that's fascinating. Oh, I hope you're going to write about that. Well, some of it I've written already. I did write a little paragraph about code talkers, <laughs> and, and the idea yes. came from the Navajo code talkers. You know, when they were in World War II, they had a language all their own. Well, you yes. know what? We star seeds. we have a language all of our own. Yes. And when we start talking, then sometimes those codes just start coming out with each other, and we go, wow, you really know that? And then you you take one subject, and it goes to another one, and then pretty soon you've got a tapestry, and you're going, wow, I found my people. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And we see that happening a lot at our Starseed Quest here in Arkansas. I bet you do. Yeah. I bet you do. And. You know, it was interesting, I can't remember now who, who said it, of the three of you, um, you just said something about 2012, but um, maybe it was Ariel who said something, too, about the n- numbers. But I was, of course, struck by um, waiting to get the star chart or the star code readings done and how many people are triggered to have that information. Oh yes, we're 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 being overwhelmed right now. Totally That's overwhelmed. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the star seeds are rising. I mean Atlantis rising, yes. That too. But here but what what about Atlantis is this. Never again Atlantis. And that's right. part of what star seeds are about. Because they're back here saying, you know, you couldn't have me then and you can't have us now. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So what are you, you know, finding? A, Sorry, I feel like no, I'm, I'm a Sagittarian. Here. I just shoot from the hip. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have Sag rising, so I understand that as well. So I apologize if I sound like I'm interviewing you, but so what are you finding that is is like the consistency or the same of these newer, younger uh, star seeds that are that are coming into contact with you? Well, they seem to. Um, they seem to have the same kind of uh, agenda. They'll, mm-hmm. They want to. They want to put up health retreats. They want to uh, do sacred site tours. They want to to investigate more about shamanism. A lot of them talk about their trips to Peru and and mm-hmm. Bolivia and some of the sacred sites. You know, they come. Be, they come here because. First of all, we're talking about starseed markings in their charts. They they want to know personally about those star markings. But in the sessions, what really happens 
is that I get to see their journey, and they can see our. We have we journey together about their particular astrological markings that have given them the opportunity time release right in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the only way I can say that. Wow, so, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I'll tell you another thing I'm finding is a group of people that seem to have um, a strong, and I mean we're over the top strong, England, Ireland, Scotland, and then they jump to Australia, and then they go to New Zealand and to the island of Fiji and, and make that triangle. There's a whole group of people that are showing up and have for about the last, I'd say, last three or four years that seems to have that particular tribe in mind. Yes. And if they'll bring it up, or I'll bring it up, and then we talk about it, and all of a sudden it's activated, and there you go. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow. Yeah. And it seems oh. to be a, it's a certain pattern. There's a pattern. And I'm looking at it astrologically, too. Astrologically, there's that's a code. So, well, that's so yeah. encouraging, isn't it? Because, um, you know, switching switching to astrology for a minute and not without being too technical... But it's so easy with this metamorphosis, this time of such transformation that we're going through, it can be so easy to look at what's being jettisoned, what has to be left behind, and it can be more difficult to face the light And because we can't tell yet completely what's coming into, into being. But Anastasia was talking about that really beautifully, I think, in what she began and so what you're saying is so encouraging. I wanted to ask you to change the subject. I'm really curious sure. about what you said about you and your husband and what you've learned about being Pleiadian hybrids. That really well, intrigues you know, me. I don't think we've talked about that part of the story, and I'll try to make it. Uh, the punchline of the story is we've done, hundred. I think it's 119 now, trance sessions. When we met almost 11 years ago, and he visited me here in Pagosa. He's still trying to sell his property in California so we can be together full-time. We've now been married five years. But when uh, when we first met, there was a connection about Pleiadians. We had no idea what that meant at the time. And when he visited here the first time, we had all these very, very unusual synchronicities related to the Pleiades. And he has a Ph.D. in psychology, and I happened to go into trance really easy, and I said, why don't you hypnotize me and let's just ask. Let's just see what we can find. And so the story that unfolded, which, um, and this was after you did my starseed chart, which was prior to that, uh, and both of us knew that we'd been contactees our whole life. We'd had these experiences, but so... The the punchline is through these trances we have learned, uh, and I certainly believe that um, neither one of us had human fathers. Uh, they, our mothers, had relationships with human men, but our DNA was manipulated through Pleiadian technology, and so we've had this lifelong experience. And, of course, it gets even stranger as I go forward, but if there's ever an audience who can track with this, it's yours. So over time it's been revealed to us that um, we were part of one project, of which there are many from different Pleiadians, Arcturians, Syrians, 
But we were part of a group that began with, thir- with 300 individuals and then through time is now 1,000. With this particular DNA reconstruction project and that we have alternate ideas of our future lives 300 years, 330 years from now in the Pleiades that travel back in time and track with us and monitor us. Now, it took us a while. I'm saying that to you in just a couple of minutes. But it took a while to be able to really process this and to say, you know, have I just lost my mind? Am I making up a story? But um, uh, the first four books are available as e-books on Amazon because he's, we transcribed them after about the first third, the first two or three sessions, and he's turned them into books. So it's been an amazing journey. Um, a lot of the information we've been given is about our other sojourns and other star systems, Um because he's interested in astrophysics, he's asked me a lot of questions which I knew nothing about, and so we've been given a lot of information in that regard, uh, help with books. But um, it's both a very humbling, and in some ways it's been challenging, because you'll understand, uh, because we felt so different. And just as you were saying about the tribe and about the group, uh for a long time, I think both of us felt very isolated. So that was a big answer and a lot of information, like putting it <laughs> through a fire hose or something. Well, I, I really resonate with what you're saying because I do know that a lot of the experiment, experiments that they've done from the ship down to the planet have to do with tracking the bloodlines with astrological timing. And so yeah. they put them in different groups in different places and on Pleiadian lineup during, you know, May and November, we just came off of one a few days, well, yeah. two days ago, yeah. it's where they come and they check on their children, they ch- check on their bloodlines, and it looks like now, because of what's happening on the planet, a lot of uh, walk-ins are coming and a lot of walk-outs are leaving. We've got yeah. a, a shift of energy that's happening on the planet, and it has to do with these gigantic experiments that they laid down a, a very long time ago. They mm-hmm. they come in different cycles. Yes, I really do exactly. believe there's a lot of souls back here now that knew that technology was going to come, and they had to make sure that when it raised its ugly head that somebody would say, oh, whoa, we're not doing it this way because look what right. happened to it in us. So yes, I think there's exactly a lot right. of Canadians that are here again that are I- involved in that. There's some Octurians. There's different species. But I really do we think... We were told the, five main ones, the Arcturians the um, Andromedans, the Syrians, the Pleiadians, and a group that came through eons ago through Vega and Cygnus. And so we just called them but, uh, like Vega, that particular part of the sky. Right, Vega and Lyra, yes. Yes, I agree yes, with that. Yes, right. That's the other one. I heard. Yes, Lyra. Right. Well, so, what you said is fascinating. So you know way more about this. We've basically tracked... And my husband, Ted, knows way more about it than I do from just the scope of it and both of us. Um, by the way, did you ever know Cheyenne Turner in Dallas? I don't think I ever asked you that question. No, huh? She, no. she had been um, president of MUFON for all of Texas for years, and this is when I lived in Dallas, and she then started her own organization called the Eclectic Viewpoint, 
and I volunteered for her, but she brought all the top people from literally all over the world to talk about these subjects. So that was kind of my initiation in some ways, but I thought maybe you might have connected with her at some time. You know, I've been very, I've been very um, low key. I don't really go to UFO conferences, and I don't go to sim. I, I don't travel around that way, and haven't for many years. Mm-hmm. I've been very um, under the radar, and I'm mm-hmm. planning on staying that way for a while. <laughs> well, I think it's smart. I mean, I think well, it's you know, smart. when I... this madness is over, we we star seeds will rise, and I yeah. know that we will, because the bloodlines yeah. have been activated on the planet to do so. And those kids that were born after 1980, they're really stepping up. And so yeah. there's a lot of hope that's happening on the planet. Sometimes it, we have to search for hope, <laughs> but then when it yeah. shows up, we yeah. 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 But when it's there, we can recognize it. But gosh, everything you've said is really, really hopeful. And I think, um, you know, I've got uh, uh, grandchildren in that category uh, that were born in the 90s and one born in 2000. And they're just, as you say, I mean, they're just different in terms of so much of how they're wired and so much of what their orientation is to to life and meaning. And I wanted to ask what, you, Julie, what, what do you think about the astrological energies that are playing out for the remainder of this year? You know, we have that Saturn and Jupiter and, and Pluto conjunct that we had back in the summer that went retrograde, and now it's direct. So do you have any insight to what's happening with all of that? Well, I think it, you know, I think it's interesting. Of course, we literally um, just had a conjunction, as you know, with Jupiter and Pluto at 23 Capricorn, and I remember that because my son is 2244. And so we're coming up on a lunar eclipse. Uh, yeah, I should back up and say, too, that I think um, – what you just mentioned, all through 2019, Pluto and Saturn were moving in and out of uh, a conjunction. And Pluto and Saturn are in a conjunction basically every 35 to 38 years. But the last time the conjunction was in Capricorn was 500 years ago. Guess when? At the end of the Dark Ages and the beginning of the Renaissance. And so we're in a similar cycle that way. So we were dealing with that energy all through 2019, uh, and when those two planetary energies come together, it's it's like a combination. Pluto wants to destroy anything that needs to be transformed, and Saturn holds the energy of form. And so, in my view, the simple way to say that is that combination destroys whatever needs to go and whatever no longer serves the greater good. So now, if you say Jupiter. Oh, and then ahead. there comes there comes Jupiter to, to to finish it off. Exactly, and that, that's what I was going to say. So now Jupiter's entered with, and the three of them have been moving in and out of a conjunction. And this summer, and even now, uh, those three were on the U.S. Pluto and the U.S. chart, and so that has been triggering, as we all know, tremendous change and disruption and transformation in the in the soul of the nation. And Pluto will move into an exact return in spring of 2022. Those are the longer cycles and the, the things that are moving in a broader scale that I think do have hope, but it isn't pleasant to go through because it's a bit like living through a hurricane 
uh, and knowing that whatever, or you know, or the three little pigs, you know, I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. In the very short term, through the end of the year, at the end of this month, on the 30th of um, November, there's a lunar eclipse at the full moon at 8 degrees of Gemini. Then at the new moon on December the 14th, and I see that one as a very cre- a critical timing issue. That's a solar eclipse at, at 23 Sag again, which is um, happening close to the degrees of that conjunction. And then interestingly also, the other big event on the winter solstice on December the 21st, Jupiter and Saturn will be only one time in an exact conjunction. And that's called a grand conjunction, happens every roughly 20 years. But it's so interesting, just as you were speaking, all about the timing things and, and how how they happen. I see that also as being... Uh, profoundly symbolic. It's the last time that conjunction, a grand conjunction, will be in Earth. And then in the beginning of the year, Saturn and Jupiter will not, will form a conjunction in Aquarius, which will then start a whole cycle of those conjunctions every 20 years in air signs. Uh, and I can't remember how long that happens, but it goes through multiple. I see that as a sign of hope as well. Uh, moving out of the earth signs into the more um, potentially mental open sign of Aquarius at the beginning of the year. But these are really powerful energies that we've been going through. And, boy, we feel it, don't we? What's your take? I feel like I'm in Galactic Witness Protection Program. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. I think I'll steal it. (laughs) Steal it. You can have it. I mean, seriously, seriously. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I I keep my head down and I ride and I'm tracking and I'm keeping up with, you know, astrological timing and starseed timings and, and I'm going, oh, wow. You know, I, I there's times when I can't even speak about it because it's just so overwhelming. You know, every yeah. day is, 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 is a revelation around here. So I did want to ask you, the 250-year cycle of Pluto is now – um, coming back around when the, when Ben and the boys signed the Declaration of Independence and put the Constitution together, mm-hmm. you know they left some things out like the rights of women <laughs> for one of them. Well, yeah, so, it was only wh- the white men who who yeah, could vote or so, own property or any of it. Right. So now, 250 years later, when Pluto comes back to that same place, which is halfway between your 500-year program that you were talking That's about. That's right. Yeah, see, it's it's like, okay, this is a big review. Uh, maybe we need to make some amendments or maybe we need to make some changes to what we wrote 250 years ago because it's, it may not be working so well right now. Yes, I think that's a really good point, and I think a lot of that will come up. I really do. Uh, I was I was stunned by what Anastasia said at the beginning about what was happening in the Arab she said the Arab Emirates, didn't she, about the changes that were being made? And, and I thought, man, just as she said, uh, who would have thought that was going to happen? But you're right. It's absolutely true. And I think that um, a lot of those questions will be asked. Certainly our Constitution has evolved through amendments over time. Uh, and I always think it's 13 Amendment 13 that gave – I never get it right, which, which was um, the one that gave – the 
African Americans the right to vote and women, which came second. I think it's thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember. But and we just had the one hundred year anniversary of women getting the right to vote. I mean, when you think about how much time has passed, and it has only been a hundred years, but I think um, it does seem to me, in many ways, to be escalating. And just as you're speaking about these younger people, but I, I think it's absolutely true the conjunction the actual return happens in it's in march and april it has three exact passes of 2022 so we're now really in orb and as i said jupiter and pluto have been triggering that all summer uh, and boy oh boy we can feel all these energies and by the way i forgot to say which is interesting uh during the time all the last times when Pluto has been in aspect with Saturn, there were pandemics. Pluto was conjunct Saturn in yeah. a, in 1918 when the Spanish flu. It was, I believe, square when AIDS came out. I, I can't remember which all the aspects were. So there's an interesting relationship between those two planetary energies and what seems to bring forth a pandemic which is some sort of psychic cleaning, actually, I think, as well. You know, shamans believe that viruses are created by humanity's negative thought forms, which is an interesting idea. Well, that that could be part of it. Also, I think that some kind of electromagnetic energy that interferes with gravity and light seems to set it off, too. That makes sense. That makes absolute sense. And, and 500 years ago, we had a we had the Black Plague. That's right. Yes, exactly right. See, so but now the we're, at the half, we're at the halfway just, point. So it's like, yes. okay, what's happened in the next 250 years? Yes, exactly right. Well, it's probably going to be a heck of a roller coaster ride for sure. But well, I, I, I look back it. on that eclipse that came through our country um, in 2017. And it was on the August Harmonic Convergence anniversary when it happened, and we yes. had a group. We had a group here at the Starseed Quest, and at that time, a lot of smartphones were pointed up in the sky, just taking pictures of the eclipse. And you know mm-hmm. what we found? One gal said, "Oh, look at this!" And she snapped the eclipse, and it was the bottom of a spaceship with hieroglyphics. Oh my gosh! And then that night, everybody went out over the the lake and they just put their phones out and started clicking and they got pictures of different things we couldn't see it with our eyes but our phones right. are picking it up yes yes now what what's that about julie <laughs> well i wonder if if those were the question i have and i don't know the answer to it because i've had that happen too that i would take a picture of something that i, I couldn't see anything in the sky and then when it when it when I looked at it later, it was there or with a camera. But wh- sometimes I wonder, because people in craft would have known what was happening, they were certainly watching you, and were yeah. those things being downloaded in some way? So people were getting codes and information of some sort. Absolutely. It's- Absolutely. I believe wow. that. But watching the group and what happened, yeah, that's what. <laughs> yeah, a lot of changes took place in 24 hours when that happened. I bet. That's like yeah. an accelerated course. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Gosh, that's am- that's amazing. Well, what do you see astrologically? You're watching this. 
you probably watch it in a different way than I do because mostly most of what I do is with clients. But I do a monthly full moon program where I talk about all of the cycles and so on. But um, it sounds like you're tracking it. Tell me how you track it, because boy, I'm interested in how you're. I don't. Know, I don't know how to tell you that how I track. I am so wired up with my hybrid energies that I, I, I can't teach anyone what I do. Let's put it that way. Right. I'm kind of one of a kind down here. <laughs> well, I believe that. So I, I um, have no doubt about that. So but I know that I'm watching. Yeah. I'm just as you're watching energies, like if, the, looking at the planetary energies, uh, I guess that's what I was asking, not about how you see what you do, but because but, um, you speak astrology, talking about the planets and yeah. what's happening, and I'm just wondering in terms of how you're in, internalizing it, or maybe that's the same answer that you can't tell well, anyone. It, but once, once I had... 30 years of experience working with um, ETs aboard ship and back again, that I had to come to some kind of terms with what I was going to do with my life and this information. And one of the things that I was told is that I had to hold this information in a bank vault and hold it for 25 years, and I couldn't release it until the kids that were born after 1980 were up and grown. Oh, now, telling my us, gosh. Telling a Sagittarian she had to keep her mouth shut for 25 <laughs> years, you know how hard that was? I do. <laughs> So, wow. so like, but did that's you literally what, keep stuff in a bank vault, or is that a symbol? No, I literally put it in a bank vault. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I have certain people that names are on the bank vault. If anything ever happens to me, mm-hmm. it, it goes forward. Yeah. And so, has that time come yet, or are they still not grown enough? Well, I've been releasing a little bit at a time. I had done okay. some on this radio, um, on the archives in our on our radio show. I've done a few, okay. and then there, when people come to the Star Seed Quest, and everybody everybody that comes here, they have to have the star markings, or they're not invited. Right. So everyone that walks through the door has has star markings, twenty five, twenty six, or twenty seven degrees of any sign. And and once that starts happening, then when they walk through the door, the buzz starts happening in their and their vibrations, their astrological timing starts speeding up. Uh, I don't know how to explain it <laughs> any other well, way. No, it makes absolute sen- it makes absolute sense to me because there is. I don't know if this is the right word, but circuitry is the word I want to say, and and it exists in some way. And and when you describe it as the markings and probably I would have said it the same way but not described it the way you have done in your work astrologically but it's it's like what's coming out of me to say is something that that there's are there are like sensors in star seeds and when you're in the community or you meet someone who's also a star seed those sensors get triggered and let me, let me say it another way i'm okay. finding that that there's actually beep beeps that happen off of people's bodies. It's a silent beep, and no one really knows they carry the beep. But but after I explain it to them, they go, oh, yeah, I guess I am an activator. I guess I am activating people because you'll be next to someone, and you won't, you don't even know them, and you'll activate them, and they'll go home and change their lives, but you won't know that. Right. See? 
and if you knew it, you'd get too arrogant with it. I think. <laughs> well, arrogant or or worry or or, or I mean, you had to it would be too something. much to carry. Yeah, but yeah. I but I'm noticing that a lot of the people that I that I do sessions with now, they're all beeping, and I'm going, oh my goodness, if they ever get in a room together and start beeping, they'll probably just go into hyperspace. <laughs> Yeah. Wow, that's that's um well, you know what you're doing is so uplifting and so important for all of you and your your dedication and what's happening and well, look how I you've written have... this book. I mean, my goodness, I couldn't write a book like this. I'm looking at this book going, "Oh, girl, you have really gone the last mile, mile bringing all of it together for us star seeds." So, I'm hoping that people that are listening to this show is going to look on your website and and look at your work and, and order this volume one and volume two because that's all they're going to need to get a speed reading for star seeds and what we're up to on the planet. You've got it all written right here. Well, that is so heartwarming to hear. It only took 19 years. <laughs> but you know what that's like, right? Having to lock yourself yeah, well, in. Well, you know, I, I wrote a, I wrote something called Trickster. It took me 19 years to write one paper on Trickster. <laughs> yeah, I, I know believe what you're... it. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. it's it, things just have to again, maybe not the right term, but it's like it's like it's like locks and keys, and certain things have to happen to to be the key that that turns a lock, a certain one, that then some release takes place, some awareness takes place, and not before it's time for that lock or whatever the conditions are to ha- to open it. Uh, well, think of it. it. Yeah, there's a phrase that I use quite often. Synchronization is confirmation. Oh, that's really good. Because the See? title of my the title of my new book is Symbol and Synchronicity: Learning yeah. Your Soul's Language. Yeah. Synchronization. I really like that. And also, and yeah. there's something called soul maturity. Soul yeah. maturity. There's certain yes. people you can talk to, and they have soul maturity, and you can take them further. And then there's certain people you can't talk to because they don't have soul maturity. That's right. That's so exactly right. So thinking now that the star seeds that are coming together, more of them have soul maturity than than most of the soccer moms that are out there. If you know, if you know <laughs> what I'm saying. I do. <laughs> no, I absolutely do. And in some cases, that's not the soccer mom's fault. That's just not know, the I've... level level of experience that they've had, yeah, or right. where they've come from, or uh, or coming on assignment, or or right. or what? What's just to meet up with something that's happening at a very crucial point in the cycle in on this planet and in this solar system. And the, the thing timing. that you write about goddesses is so important now. You know, there's women. And then there's goddess. Never get them confused. Okay? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and women right. may be upset now, but goddess is pissed. I mean, she really is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All over the planet, have you noticed? <laughs> absolutely. So oh, every time you write or do something in the name of goddess, I'm applauding you the whole way. Know that, girl. Oh, thank you. Well, I know, and it's... um. That's a mission, too. I mean, that's just absolutely been a mission and something that's um, holding space for that to right. uh, 
to be to it's being like being a vehicle, isn't it, for these energies that come through, and a vehicle and a transmitter. I love the beep beep thing that you talked about. And well, I, th- boy, I'll I tell you how, how how it really kind of gave me a picture when I knew that the smartphones you could put a phone next to your smartphone and it would clone it. It would take the information from one to another. Yes. Yeah, that's what's happening in starseed bodies. Yes, they're beeping and they're activating other starseeds. They're activating other people. Uh, they hold a resonant field that's uplifting and spiraling for evolution. In fact, we probably should have a, a new party on the planet called the Evolutionists because that's who, who we are, really. Yeah. We're evolution, and I wish somebody would use that term, evolutionist. That's a good one. Yeah. Why don't you start it? <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it to you. <laughs> you start it. I'm under That's the radar, my, remember? <laughs> I know. Well, and you know, and I really am, too, in many ways. I, and when my husband and I started writing it, about this, I was pretty clear that it was we were right to publish the book, but it we were not really meant to start going on a circuit and talking about it because just releasing it, puts it into the field and makes yeah. it available for those who get drawn to it for whatever reason. I mean, I'm writing books uh, and love, thrilled to have the opportunity to to be with you again and talk about the subjects and hear what um, what you're getting and what's happening. I live in this little tiny town in southwest Colorado, and it's... Um, it's not a reflection, really, of the larger world, and yet there's lots of star seeds here. They get drawn here, and so it's uh, that's an interesting thing as well. Don't what? you think? That, don't you think that during this pandemic, that people are leaving the cities, and they're going out into the country and to the mountains and different places, and they're starting new communities? Don't you see that happening? Oh yes, absolutely, and that's an enormous shift. An enormous shift, and I, I, I do, and it's fascinating. I mean, it's so interesting. Like I said, in the little town where we are, people are coming from east coast, west coast, every place in between, and uh, this town, like others I've read about, doesn't really have the infrastructure to handle the influx. It's just way too much. So that's, but I do, I do, and I think that um, uh, the energies are so intense, but it's like, like, I don't know what the right word is, <coughs> excuse me, it's like an accelerant or something. Well, it's, kind of a good it's, it's like everything got thrown into pot, and then they turned up the heat, and they start adding different ingredients, and now we're bubbling over. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's it's a good a cl- way. The cluster, yeah. That's a good way to describe it, and yeah. it's... um. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, some days I feel like it's such a discipline and a practice, but it's my daily practice. I I can't always maintain it, but it's my daily practice to hold my own frequency as high as I can so I'm part of a solution instead of adding to the chaos. And I think it's so important, but we're just almost legend by the energy and by other people's inability to handle their own 
metamorphosis or just like you say, and I don't want to sound like I'm judgmental about soccer moms, but it's... Um, uh, well, it's what's happening now. It's it, but Truly, yeah. it's happening now. In fact, I tell my people that I talk to every day, I say, if your name's not on it, don't do it. Right. And if if people are trying to pull you through the rabbit hole through fear, don't go right. there. Exactly it's right. That, that simple. But a lot of people don't know what their name is on, and that's what I'm right. finding. It's like, oh, my goodness, don't you, don't you know what your name is on? They go, no, I don't know. I'm going, wow. Because, of course, I've known what my name was on for a long time. So yeah. I, I have to out of my own head when I say that to them. <laughs> but uh, it's true. If you know what your name is on, then you won't be caught up in this madness. Yes. That's a great way to say it. That's a really great way to say it. Because and I, and I, I take it a step further. I say, when somebody offers you a cup, let that cup pass your lips. Pass it on to someone else. Don't mm-hmm. drink it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Another fabulous at, way to I'm say at, it. Uh, Julie, I'm looking at the time, and I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Arielle. She has the switchboard, and there may be some people that want to call in and maybe talk to you or ask ask you a couple of questions. You'd be able to do that with us? Absolutely. Okay. So, Julie, you and I, <clears throat> we need to talk later, and we will. Yeah. I'll send you an email. I'm very curious about what you talked about with that man and, and, and his Discovery the 85-year-old man that you were talking about. I really need to know that story because that's something that I've kind of been tracking is, is the in-between stages of what happens, you know, yeah. when we decide to step out of the body and we're, we're given choices of where to go and what to do. And I think yeah. I would love to hear what he has to say about that. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to it, Lavendar. It's wonderful to hey. reconnect. And uh, uh, you really raised my spirits. So, well, you raised mine too, honey. Too. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> and anytime you want to come back on our show to announce anything, even if you don't want to stay the whole time, you just want to come in for five or ten minutes, you always have an invitation. Always. Thank you so much. Okay. And I might so ask back... you to do that once I get the book done. <laughs> okay. So, so back okay. to you, Aria. Okay. Wow. Wow, this has just been such a, a wonderful Hang on a second. got to get rid of that noise. Um, okay, I think it's gone. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was, like, taking little notes because I was like, oh, I want to ask about that. I want to ask about that. Um, <laughs> but before I do that, if anyone is already on our switchboard, if you're already called into the show and you have a question or comment for Julie, you need to press 1 on your keypad so we know you want to do that. And if you're listening on the computer – then pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then as soon as you're in, press 1 so that we know you uh, got a question. So, um, And as I told you before the show, Julie, um, we don't usually have a lot of callers, and it's no reflection on the guest, just that a lot of people listen in the archives, and then they can't call. Sure, so, no, um, no, no worries. Okay. Um, well, I had I wanted to just kind of like make some uh, um, some comments, but the, there was a big question when you were talking about, you know, the Pluto Saturn um, conjunction that's kind of been dancing around for well, more than a year, um, and it's it's reforming, um, transforming, 
uh, with, you know, Pluto just like the wrecking ball. It's like, look, this building is condemned. Let's just go ahead and take it out That's because right. somebody's, somebody's going to get hurt if you still keep living in there. So Pluto right. comes along with the wrecking ball. Saturn is right there beside it to start putting the pieces back together in a better way, make something yeah. stronger that will be more durable. But then when you said, you know, and then coming up very soon, they're going to start moving into Aquarius. And mm-hmm. I went kind of like fast forward because there is so much technology on this planet that serves no one. That's um, right. And and it's like, oh, I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping that this when when these planets move into Aquarius, do you see that as a possibility that the same um, you know, uh, challenging and demolition of faulty structures will that then go on to technology? That's a great question, and honestly, I hadn't really thought about it in that way, but I think you're right on, Ariel, in terms of asking that question. And so I suspect if we were going to put it in into just a conceptual frame, we might think of all of the things that are around the 5G issue that describe that, and technology moving forward with no real thought of all of the impact that's going to have on people and on many other things, and how will that get challenged. But, of course, that's just one example. Uh, Artificial intelligence, that is such a big issue in many ways. Um, And it's so interesting because everything has two sides and, and a spectrum. The story that Anastasia told at the beginning about some sort of brain implant that it would allow someone with severe disabilities to use a computer. I mean, that's a fabulous advance, but then your mind can go to, well, then how could someone use that to manipulate or control or do something else? So there's there's always the dark side and always the light side. But I think your question is really appropriate in terms of how will these changes with the with the Saturn um, Jupiter Saturn conjunction in Aquarius, it doesn't last very long. They'll move on in their different ways, and Jupiter only stays, as I'm sure you know, about a year in a sign. So it's a fast one, uh, and Pluto is going to be in Capricorn still for quite some time. So, but th- but that's really and Saturn stays in a sign about two and a half years, but. Um, those will be issues, I think, as you point out, that that will arise right away in in the early part of the year. It's a great question. Yeah, well, I'm 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 going to try to focus on the uh, the possible benefits. That's right. Because yeah, I mean, every day almost I see something in the form of technology that just like oh my god run <laughs> run <Yes. laughs> it, it, uh, it's just it's 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 so what's the word ubiquitous it's everywhere yeah. and in the case in point um when i go to the chiropractor and there's like there's a waiting room and then there's people you know interaction and and i look around and every single one of them is on the phone texting mm-hmm playing yes. doing something and even when they're and when they're on a table getting the the traction that they need to fix their spine they're sitting there with the cell phone it's like how can you be doing something for your health and be so mindless about that 
Uh, you know, and, and and people are so brainwashed and so complacent. I know I'm getting on a soapbox here, but i got to follow it through. There was even one lady who was trying to keep her child occupied while she did her thing. So the kid's sitting in a corner. He couldn't have been more than three years old playing with the cell phone. I know. And, and I just, you know... I'm Aries, so I sometimes don't know. Really, I've learned some tact, but I don't always have it. And I, I just, I looked at her and just kind of, like, half jokingly, I was like, "Boy, he's really soaking up that radiation, isn't he?" And she smiled and laughed back and said, "Yeah," and she did oh, nothing gosh. about it. You know, yeah. so that's when I just have to. I go walk somewhere else and just right. you know, call me when it's my turn. You know, right. uh, you know, on the whole, and the you know, five G and all the, you know. The, the technology of of you know telling your refrigerator to you know go check and see if I've got any milk. I know what. Is this really necessary? Yeah. So I, I'm <laughs> I'm just really really hoping that the, you know the effects of of these planets moving into Aquarius um, with Jupiter it'll bring you know the good side of technology and and Saturn may spank us a little bit. Um, right. You know, right. where we've gone awry with it. Because, yeah. you know, people that are coming up with these ideas, it's about it's about commerce. Yes. It, they yes. never even give a thought as to how is this going to affect humanity. You know, exactly. we can, but should we? And that's, I mean, I've just, I've just got a big, big bone to pick there, but I'll just move on to another, another one of my little notes here. I was really, my ears really perked up when you talked about the last time this happened was the beginning of the Renaissance. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, of enlightened thinking. Yes. You know, and it, yes. it's, I, I'm kind of seeing like steps and plateaus, steps and plateaus. So, you know, it's like kind of the same influence. But now, you know, we're beyond the Renaissance, but we're coming into a new Renaissance. But it's going to be on a higher level than the last one. That's right. So does that, And, of course, that 500 seem- years ago, we had zero technology. And so all of those things, um, and I know, I think I thought that was so, such a fascinating thing to really recognize and contemplate that at the same time, the Dark Ages were ending and things looked horrible. It's a parallel to what we're hap- what's happening right now, which I think I said that it can be challenging sometimes where we tend to focus on all of the horrible things that are happening and almost, instead of, wow, so much awesome stuff is also coming into being. And so I think we need to focus forward and, and know that we are at a cycle that does have great potential. Right. And and I think it's just it's just a matter of time. Yes. Uh, like Lavender says, you, you know, you can come now, you can come later, but you are coming. <laughs> so it is, it is just a matter of time before, you know, the consciousness on the planet collectively takes a step yeah. up. And yeah. on that note, uh, when you were talking about the soul maturity, um, you know, and, and I mean, we both kind of joked about the soccer moms, and, and I'm sure that everybody listening knows that we didn't mean any, you know, disrespect no. to, to soccer no. moms. However, um, you know, if everybody's on a timeline, and the level of soul maturity is just like your age, so, you know, you look at, I mean, when I look at people who are still sound asleep and they're not thinking for themselves, you know, the, 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 you know, the aha moment hasn't happened, they're just, 
they're, they're like um, um, spiritual children, you know. Mm-hmm. And certainly, if if a child makes a mistake or does something incorrectly, you're going to you're going to have more compassion because it's just right. a kid. But That's we have right. to see, you know, even somebody who's 90 years old, who is still a very young soul. You have to give them the same kind of love as you would give a children a child who didn't know any better. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, without without feeling you know too high and mighty about it, um, there is you know everybody is a different age. And that's right. I, I suppose I mean just like school, you don't want to hang out with kids younger than you. You know, that's right. but it'd be <laughs> but it'd be cool to hang out with kids older than you. That's right. So, and I, well, I think that well, that translates. <laughs> Yes, I think so, yeah. too. And, you know, your analogy about the 90-year-old, at the, in the same way that you would protect a young child from doing something that they don't have enough sense about the danger, there ought to be some corollary for that for young souls that are in old bodies that don't know how much damage they're doing. <laughs> right. It's too, too right. bad we can't have a better way of uh, keeping everything in balance. But we're getting there. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> I used I had an observation that I I haven't really stated in a long time because it's a little passé, but at one point um, I had it all summed up with the thing that's wrong with the world is that Eddie Haskell grew up and took over. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I mean, for, I mean, that's showing my age a little bit, but you know that, that character from Leave It to Beaver. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, that Eddie Haskell character is like the summary. Of corporate America, yes, you know, schmooze, manipulate, seduce, um, lie, cheat, steal, you know, just to make yourself look bigger. That's yes, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly uh, right, and we've got so much to outgrow, and we are, but it's um, uh, that process is kind of painful and dramatic because I think, in a sense. Uh, a lot has been retarded while things like technology and other things have been accelerating at such a dramatic rate, but the literal moral arc or fiber or just soul maturity, to use the term that Lavendar used, hasn't caught up with it, and and that's right. where we are. It's just like, uh, I love yeah. that, just like Eddie and Hassel it, it, trying to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hadn't actually thought about that in a while, but um, that was my take on it. But I mean, really, this is Atlantis all over again. Yeah, because it is. technology kept advancing, and it started edging out and pulling ahead, and the spiritual wisdom was lagging behind. Yeah, and you know, before you know it, they were they were had such a um, a, a schism between you know science and spirit that. There was no, there was no saving it. So, that's right. Um, and it that's why literally... there's so many Atlanteans coming back now. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing the mark of Atlantis uh, almost every day. They, I mean, yeah. they're just they, they, uh, so many people have Atlantean records, and of course that's yeah. Pleiadian as well. And, yeah. um, uh, but not, I mean, not exclusively. There are other. I mean, from, from Lavendar's. Um, Work that she's done with the, the Atlantean records that um, there were it was like a spaceport, so there were yes, know, that's right, 
you know, right. it's like Ellis Island well. and, and New York City. Um, mm-hmm. But the the project, I mean, it was started, it was a Pleiadian project, and then they, you know, had others there as well. But yeah, we're kind of in that in that same same position. Um, the, the other thing it's I wanted to talk about was, you know, when you said that, you know, you have a, a, a fairly regular routine of holding your frequency as high as you can, um, would you like to or could you elaborate? Because, you know, we use that term a lot. It's like, oh, keep your frequency up. There's a lot of people that don't know what that means and how to do it. I think for me, and, you know, it, it's probably different for for everyone, but I think that um, my own experience of it probably relates to the chakras. I don't know for sure if that happens, but it's as if, if I'm struggling or if I'm feeling anxious about something or angry about something, I think I tend to feel those emotions more in my solar plexus. You know, that's where. I might feel pain in my heart. And so for me, the practice is moving the energy in in my own consciousness as a discipline to the upper, the upper chakras, in a sense, or just literally imagining that I'm like a human thermometer and visualizing that the mercury is rising to the top of it. And there's also, I think, uh, Ariella, um, something that is related to sound also, just like music going up a scale to a higher note. So all of those things are just kind of mental constructs, I think, that that I use. But it is a, more than anything else for me, it's connected to intention that I make a conscious choice in a moment to lift myself out of an emotion or state that feels debilitating and raise my awareness, my sense of frequency, however I feel that, to a higher rate of vibration, to a point where I feel more light and love and not from something that feels like fear or anxiety or anger or judgment or any of those feelings that cause me to go so feel so out of balance but it's it's like a gyroscope or something i i'm not it's hard to put into words but yeah i, I know I, and i've um i will when when people have asked me that question um, I've, I asked them to, to think about a time in their life where they were ecstatically happy, when the most mm-hmm. wonderful thing had just happened or, or, you know, just the best news, whatever, to go back to that moment. Because when you are in, in joy and gratitude or laughter, there are times when you've laughed harder and, and think about how you could hardly catch your breath, you were laughing so hard. I yes. mean, as soon as I start thinking about those moments, I can feel the little tingling in my solar plexus that just starts to rise. Yes. Yes. So, you know, that... It uh, really works. It really works. And it's hard. And I mean, sometimes <laughs> you know, when we're sitting there in a funk and, and, and all we can do is like, oh, and I'm mad about that too. Oh, and then there's this thing and I'm mad about that too. <laughs> sometimes it's really hard to keep from, you know, just going from one thing to another that is is making you angry. To, to, you know, 
get to that point. So you go know, through but your it, whole it list. <laughs> well, yeah, right. But you just you know, it's like, all right, stop. Let's go back and think about, you know, the time where you know everyone was patting you on the back, and or the time right. where you you know you saved someone, or you know when you just felt really good, really yeah. joyful. You know, and yeah. just go back and relive that, and that way you can kind of snag onto a piece of it, and to help you get that that other you know lower cluttered energy, just move that on out of the way and transmute it. Yes, it all you know. Yeah. And, but I love that thermometer thing, and and thinking about you know a person whose whose voice is getting <laughs> and you go up as <laughs> high right. as you could possibly yeah. think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those are really good techniques. But that's helped and, me, you know, because sometimes sometimes they're harder than others. Sometimes you can have experienced something where someone hurts you or something happens that is a disappointment. or uh, And those are the personal things that somehow are really hard. But just dealing with all of the background noise and chaos that we're going through on, on Earth that we're assaulted with every day. And, and it's like st- sailing in a stormy sea or something. And so it is just mm-hmm. that idea... But um, don't you think that intention really has such a, a powerful role in this? Is it oh. that way for you? Oh yes. I mean, it's 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 just about everything. Yeah. Because I think so too. anything that gets done starts with an intention. Yeah. You know, and maybe before the intention, you've got an idea or a concept or mm-hmm. an inspiration. But when you make the intention, you make the decision. There's like a, a quickening where it starts yeah. to take on its own life. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And I think I love your idea. I love your suggestion about the what made you happy or sometime when you laughed because then there's something familiar and you can remember what that feeling was like and recall it, quite literally recall it and bring it into your field. And that is what, you know that's what can make such a difference. And as I said, for me, the analogy of the of the thermometer and taking the mercury from from the lower right. level of feelings. Yeah, yeah. Those those are just really really good techniques. Um, and another another thing, I'm gonna not really get back on the soapbox here, but um, <laughs> star star seeds. If you're listening to this now or even a year from now. It, you shouldn't really even have Wi-Fi in your house um, if you really want to be clean. But if you do, at least turn it off at night so when you're sleeping, because there's all kinds of um, frequency um, uh, discord that's coming through the Wi-Fi. And, and mm. it can have an effect on you even when you just like, I don't know what's, what I'm really sad about, but I feel sad. Well, it could have come through the Wi-Fi while you were sleeping, and you wake up with that. It's not even yours, and you're carrying it around wondering, what's wrong with me? So I really, really urge everyone, if you do have Wi-Fi in your house, just turn the box off at night while you sleep and, and, and you know, get some, some uh, get education on what you can do to counteract that radiation because star seeds are way more vulnerable to the harmful effects of it. Yes. So here for starseeds, and here we have this, you know, 
this mighty purpose of holding the light and bringing the light, but we're sleeping with Wi-Fi, and it's telling us, oh, give it up, give it up, give it up. You've got to turn that off, you know, and, and, uh, and keep your space clean yes. so that you Great can advice. hold that light. Yeah. Yes. So, gosh, well, so I'm true. The time has just flown by, and that is only with a good guest. <laughs> the time is just really flying by, and uh, I, I've just so enjoyed this. You got to come back really soon, as soon as you get. Well, I would love something, to. You know, I, I, you you are are wonderful, and it's uplifting to my heart, and it's like being with my tribe and kindred spirits. So yeah, so I'm grateful for the chance, grateful for the conversation, and of course I would love to, and I'm sure there's lots more we have have to talk about it. I feel like in some ways what we addressed and what Lavender mentioned is just tip of the iceberg. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you've got an awful lot of knowledge, understanding, all the research you've done, and you've got a a view of of history, um, of anthropology, of mythology that very few people do, and it really helps to, to see the big picture. You know, when you're not just a you know a pixel in the picture, stand back from it, <laughs> you know, and you get to like oh, and it, and then you know there's a I don't know I think a a piece that can you can get from that when you see your part in the grand scheme. Yes. Well, that's driven me for whatever reasons and whatever part of it that is that. Uh, just it's like something that, as you will know, gets a hold of you, and you can't let go of it. You just have to follow it where it takes you. Yeah, well, it's like <laughs> it's really hard to go back to sleep once you woke up. That's you know, exactly you've been asleep right. A long, really long time, can. and your star seeds are waking up in droves. I yes. mean droves. I mean, for a while there, <laughs> I was calling it the star seed stampede because we were being overrun, <laughs> and 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 but they, I mean. Every single person has these galactic degrees on their chart. So, you know, and we get to see the patterns. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, look at this. Now we're getting all the the fire and water people. And then we get, like, here's all the earth or here's all the technology people. And they come in waves like that. That's interesting. Yeah, there are definitely currents. Um, you know, in the ether somewhere, and I'm sure that the, the Pleiadians have a really big finger in the pot, stirring yes. things up and 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 you know, kind of gently nudging people um, onto their path and the, to, you know, connecting with us. And um, and so, I'm, and I'm really grateful for our new team uh, of astrologers because this has gotten way bigger than than just the two of us can handle. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for that. We're going to bring them out uh, Wonderful. next Wonderful. Well, I'm so happy to hear that because yeah. I can't remember yeah. now how many years ago it's been because I think it might be even before I met my husband that I connected with Lavendar for the first time and she did my chart. And, and so it was uh, powerful. I still have a recording. It was really early on. I, rem- I just remember when I was looking um, through the emails between you and I, the first one came in 2011. Oh, wow. Okay. And then 2017, uh, you were on the show. Um, so I think this is your third time on the show. 
It is. I think so, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, well, you know, it's it's really a pleasure and an honor to have you as, um, you know, a, a leader for Star Seeds, and, um, you know, knowing what you know and doing what you do, uh, you are adding to the light in a big way, and we're really happy that we know you. I feel the same way, Ariel. Thank you so much, and uh, it's wonderful to connect and feel that that reciprocal frequency is what I want to say about it, just that sense of, of you can be fully yourself, <laughs> right, and not have to... Uh-huh. Uh, not have to explain or not have to hide or back off and so it's an incredible gift and blessing and all that you're doing for for others and younger ones that are coming along it's huge well it it is um it, it is a privilege and an honor to to be able to serve in this way so yeah. one more time um i just want to remind you um the audience that you can find julie at her website, which is julielore.com. And lore is spelled L-O-A-R. And um, I think we will just sign off now and wish everyone a wonderful Thanksgiving. And more than ever, it is so important that you focus on your blessings, all the things that we have to be thankful for, and um, always, always live in gratitude Hold on to that gratitude and show compassion over judgment. And this is the door to the fifth dimension. Absolutely. Well, many blessings to you and all of your audience and uh, Ariel and Anastasia and all their helping behind the scenes. Thank you for all that you do, and um, thanks for the chance to be with you in this powerful week of, of giving thanks. Good timing. Good timing. So here's a big hug, Julie, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Okay. Take care, Ariel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, have a great Thanksgiving. Take care and show your love. Until two weeks from tonight, bye-bye. been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.